Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I would like to thank everyone who's still subscribed to this podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you for being patient. Uh, not sure if all of you know this. I was in Ohio for two weeks. Um, I was in Cleveland for one week and went to a wedding, which was absolutely lovely. Ohio is a very pretty state. Um, but because we were there for a wedding, it was pretty much from morning till night activities, either doing things for the wedding, which I didn't do a whole lot of, or spending time with people. And we met a lot of good friends from Canada, from Las Vegas, and uh, new friends. We made a lot of new friends. And then we had all of our old friends, and the bride was our friend, and the groom was our new friend. So it's just like it was a very lovely time. But we were up very early in the morning, typically, and then we didn't go to bed till very late at night, and there was a lot of things that just kind of took our time, so there wasn't a lot of time for podcasting. And when people are there, and you're spending time with people, and you're like, it's very uncomfortable to say, hey, I've got to go home and record a podcast. Okay, now I'm going to explain to you what my podcast is about, because most everybody knows what a podcast is. And then you're going to pretend to be interested, and it's just going to be this long... Um, circle jerk. So I, I just chose to, you know what, we're just going to keep it simple. I'm here in Ohio. I'm going to spend time with family and friends. And then we went to Cincinnati and stayed with some friends. And that was actually lovely. And I have some Cincinnati news um, later on in the show. But that was actually really nice. Uh, we stayed in our friends were very gracious and hosted us. So we stayed at their house, which is not something we typically do. But these are good friends of ours. So I feel comfortable doing that. Uh, but our, our friends were very nice and, and very gracious with their their home and their food and all this stuff. But they have, like these, I live in a very middle, lower to middle, middle class neighborhood. Um, there's certainly uh, people who are a little bit better off and people who are not so well off in where I live. And my friends that we went to visit actually lived you know, less than half a mile away from where we live before they moved to Cincinnati. And it's night and day from where they live in Cincinnati. Their their home in Cincinnati, is, first of all, it's beautiful. It's in this beautiful location, but they they live next to, like, 
CFOs of major department stores and baseball players and, you know, nephrologists and things like that. It's just insane, uh, the, the difference. Uh, very lovely house, very lovely area, um, but it was quite a bit different. Not bad, just different. We actually spent a lot of time driving around from neighborhood to neighborhood talking about all the magnificent homes that were in the area. Because their house is very nice, but it's a dump compared to some of these other places. And it's a palace compared to my house. So, anyway. Um, spent some time in Cincinnati. Spent some time in Columbus. Since spent some time in Youngstown. Uh, went, we went all over Ohio. Needless to say, uh, we were so busy with that stuff, and then all the other things that I've got going in life, uh, I didn't record a podcast. So I appreciate everybody just kind of hanging out and being patient and not unsubscribing from this podcast, because it's important to me. And just because I took a couple weeks off, that does not mean that I'm not dedicated to doing the podcast. That just means I am so busy that something's got to give. And sometimes it's this, and sometimes it's some other things. Um, Let's see how... Yeah, let's start, shall we? This first first uh, story is from Fred Lambert. Panasonic to hire 300 workers to boost solar cells for their solar roof. Now, Panasonic's running Gigafactory 2. They, might, they have something to do with Gigafactory 1, which is in Sparks, Nevada. But Gigafactory 2 is in Buffalo, and they're running that one. Um, I'm not 100% sure... If and this is for the Tesla solar roof, I'm not 100% sure if Tesla owns that factory or if Panasonic owns the factory or if Tesla owns it and Panasonic runs it. I'm not sure how that whole thing works. But if you're interested in around the Buffalo area, um, take a look. Uh, and you need a job, take a look at the Panasonic job fairs in your area. Um, just a little bit of backstory if for the Tesla solar roof. California is where they released it first, and it's it sold out in one week. It sold out for a year in advance in California, and so far that's the only place they're they're offering it. It's pretty impressive when you think that, you know, just to do my house would cost seventy some thousand dollars, seventy five thousand dollars, I think. Uh, next up, electric. Justin Duano. Duano. Sorry, Justin. Alphabet is testing its self-driving vehicles here in Phoenix. We've talked about that. No, I did not get an invite to their beta. Um, But Valley Fire Department and Police Departments have been helping uh, Waymo test self-driving software's, uh, the self-driving software's ability to recognize emergency vehicles. So, um, as being my job is, as most of you know, is to to drive a fire truck. I drive a big, long, 40-foot ladder truck. The ladder can reach to 100 feet, but the actual truck itself is about 41 feet, I think. 42 feet in that range. Um, The thing is heavy. It is slow to um, accelerate and slow to slow down. So people who don't pull to the right, um, it's very frustrating for me as a driver because it doesn't maneuver particularly well. It's not a sports car. It's a big lumbering fire truck. So Think of a big, huge NFL lineman running as fast as they can towards the quarterback. The quarterback throws it. Well, that lineman is going to take a little bit to get stopped. And sometimes they're going to squish the quarterback. That's what happens on accident. 
uh, those just those big bodies moving. That's kind of what it's like to drive a big ladder truck. And uh, so it's a little frustrating uh, when people don't move over. In some states, it's not even it's it's recommended that you move over to the right, but it's not a law that you have to move over. You don't have to yield in some states. In some states, you do. Anyway, um, so this is good because for me, as somebody who drives a truck, um, the title is actually called engineer. So for me as an engineer, when I'm driving and someone moves over to the right, it is awesome. There are people sometimes that move to the right, and then there are people that move to the left or even into the center lane, uh, turning lane. And that makes it difficult because I don't know at the last moment, are they going to turn right? Or move to the right? Are they going to panic? Um, it seems that in today's world, in the area that I work, people have a very hard time with that concept of pulling to the right. Now, um, people do things like they'll put on their flashers, their emergency lights, and that's really helpful. Uh, that kind of tells me, yes, they recognize that I'm going to be going around them, whether it's to the left or to the right. We always are very hesitant to go to the right because if I go to the right, and then all of a sudden that car decides, oh, I need to pull right, and they pull into me, we can cause an accident and potentially hurt somebody, and that's not what we want to do. But self-driving cars, how are they going to know to pull to the right when autonomous driving is occurred, occurring, um, or when they're in autonomous driving mode? So this actually makes me, as an engineer, very happy, because I'm going to tell you, there are people who just flat out will not pull over for emergency vehicles, will not. And uh, they're going to go where they're going to go and do whatever it is they have to do. It doesn't matter if we're going to a fall injury or if we are going to a code or a fire. Those people are going to do whatever it is they need to do. Um, they don't. They really don't care. So uh, code three driving is frustrating. Um, let's see. Kind of went off script here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, really, it's a safety issue. So um, I'm glad that Waymo is doing this, and hopefully Tesla's doing the same thing. This next article is from Fred Lambert. All of Tesla's Hardware 1 and Hardware 2 vehicles have been collecting data um, from mostly happy drivers cruising around from place to place. But Tesla's announced that they've collected 5 billion or 8 billion, 5 billion miles or 8 billion kilometers worth of data. Um, if you're curious, that 17 round trip, um, round trip flights, I guess, from Mars, from the Earth to Mars, round trip, 17 of those, that's how much data they have. And a quarter of that, um, or excuse me, in last quarter, they added a billion miles to that total. So that's pretty impressive. There's a lot of data and there's a lot of really smart people at Tesla that I'm sure are working on this and we'll talk about somebody a little bit later. But that is a lot of data to sift through and that is a lot of data to figure out what are we going to do with this. Some of it is like the visualization stuff like is that a cat or is that a fire hydrant or is that a person or is that just a, a sign. So some of it's that and some of it is like deep data like um, this is something very simple, but how many people travel this road or how many Teslas travel this road during this time of the day? And they can more accurately predict how long it's going to take you to get from point A to point B, that kind of stuff. And there's even more complicated things to that. 
In fact, my friend who is, um, that we went to see in, in, uh, Cincinnati, we talked a lot about big data and his job is to sort through it manually, not even with software, but his job is to sort through large amounts of data manually. And he's a mathematician and he's really good at this crazy stuff. And he brings out stuff that I have no idea what he's talking about. But, uh, we sat down and we talked about some of this stuff and it is mind blowing just the little, the little slice of world that he collects and sifts through data. It's mind blowing how much they can pull from that. It, it's amazing. Um, if he agrees, maybe one day I'll have him on. Um, but right now, I, I think his job where he works now, I don't think that would they would let him. Uh, next is from Fred Lambert. Tesla is adding more than a hundred service locations. Uh, that will, the head of the Model Three launch. Or actually right around in concert with the Model 3 launch, I guess. That'll bring their total to more than 250. Now, the thing is, is Tesla says that 90% of their service issues can be fixed by a service van. So they'll be adding 350 vans to its fleet. Again, if you're looking for a job and you're handy, take a look at their service centers and also um, their Ranger vans, I think is what they call them. But... um, the cool thing is, as soon Tesla owners will be able to schedule service from their vehicles. Um, and with all these cool service counter or service center upgrades, um, that they're going to hire 1,400 new service technicians to help decrease the amount of time that you spend in a service center and also support all those Model 3s that are going to be built and on the road, which is awesome. Uh, next one, Fred Lambert again from Electric. Elon says there's going to be two to three more gigafactories in the United States. Uh, Tesla is working to get a gigafactory in Shanghai. Uh, they have to work. They can't build the factory themselves. They have to work through a Chinese company to do that, from what I understand. But a gigafactory, for whatever states that these go in, because we have one in Sparks and one in Buffalo, for whatever states the rest of these, the other two to three go in, that's going to be a big um, financial boom for that country, uh, for that state, because it can bring 10,000 jobs with it. Um, many of you, this is the next story from Elon's tweets. Um, some of you already know this, I'm sure, but Elon bought back X.com from PayPal for what some estimate to be about a million dollars, which is pretty impressive. But Elon has been trolling Twitter and he said, uh, basically, you know, it's a very verbose website and he's going to be working on it. But it's it's basically just a blank screen. Um, some people said they saw an X. I haven't been there in a while. Let's look. Let's look where we're sitting here. Apparently, there are only like three single digit. Yep, there's a little X on the top left. Apparently, there are only three single digit uh, domains. Um, dot com domains out there which is pretty impressive but anyway um most people think this is kind of going to be uh, a landing page for all the stuff that elon's doing with the boring company spacex tesla and hyperloop and all that kind of fun stuff next one no surprise here fred lambert from electric vw is working on a car that will be between seven to eight thousand dollars cheaper than the model three um, it gave specs, but I'm not going to compare it. I don't know if you heard that pop. That was my knee because uh, I'm old and I'm broken. 
I'm not going to compare the the specs because the car won't be out until 2019. And it'll, it'll be out in Europe in 2019. The comparisons are to a car that's going to be released today, not to a car that's going to be released in 2019. And on top of that, so they're comparing it to the Model 3, I'm sorry. So the comparisons between the Volkswagen car that's going to be out in 2019 and the Model 3 aren't apples to apples because the Volkswagen car has two more years to work on itself. Whereas the Model 3 is out today. So, next one is uh, Tesla Rally Taylor Marks. Anyway, oh yeah, you know what? Going back to the Volkswagen thing, good for Volkswagen. Um, that's about right where I would feel comfortable buying an electric car. And I love Volkswagen, as I've said a thousand times before. But I think my wife doesn't like sitting in vehicles that are low to the ground. Take a drink of coffee here. And I kind of, I see her point, you know, she likes to be up, she likes windows. My old Jetta was very low to the ground, but it was open, um, but my wife feels safer when she's up a little bit higher. So if they put out something, not the Tiguan, because that was an expensive car, but if they put out some mid-size SUV that was electric, they got about 250 miles range, I think I would consider buying that if it was in the $30,000 range. Okay, next one, Tesla Rati, Taylor Marks. Tesla has begun, sent, has begun sending out Model 3 invites to people who referred, referred seven or more people to buy a Model S or Model X. Um, it's more of a pre-invitation. Um, by this time, I'm sure that I did some of these notes when I was on the road. I did some of these notes last week, and I did some of the notes this week. So this is an old story. I'm sure by now everybody's received their invitation to the Model 3 event, so let's skip that, shall we? Next one, Stephen Loveday, Inside EVs. Andre Carpathy, 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 hopefully I'm saying that right, is uh, a new leader in Tesla's autopilot division. Uh, He has a doctoral degree in computer vision. Uh, He's also experienced in deep learning and AI. Uh, he'll report directly to Elon Musk, but while he's settling in, he'll work with Jim Keller, who heads the Autopilot Hardware Division, and that's the software and the hardware part of the Autopilot Hardware Division. It should just be called the Autopilot Division. Anyway, um, Mr. Kelly will help get Mr. Carpathy, man, I know I'm saying that wrong, settled, and um, I'm looking forward to this. There are two issues, and I alluded to this earlier, um, that Tesla needs to get right when it comes to idle pilot. Uh, first, you know, don't kill anybody. Well, that's that's not even an issue. That's just kind of the obvious thing. But the, the first thing is sifting through all of that data receives in terms of um, how fast you're going in a certain area, where the slowdowns are, where the bottlenecks are, um, where you can make up time, where you're going to lose time. Taking all that information and 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 compiling it and put making it something. Because what happens is all this information goes into a big data dump. Now, I don't know, have any insane information on Tesla. This is how I understand it. All this information gets kind of dumped. Some of it gets used, and some of it's just kind of dark data where there's nothing that really connects it to anything else. And that data is still... Um, important, like Apple just bought a company that takes that orphaned data and compiles it into something 
that could possibly be usable. So, um, and Tesla's no, no company is, is immune to this kind of thing. There's always going to be things that only happen. I don't know if you're, (laughs) that was my finger cracking because again, I'm an old man and I'm broken. Um, but anyway, so Tesla's not going to be able to use or, uh, present all of this data as something um, useful. Some of it's just going to be kind of one-off things that might happen every three or 400 miles in a vehicle in South Dakota or something like that. So um, putting that kind of thing together and, and giving it a, uh, giving that data a face and, and something you can make sense out of is important. So having people that are, Familiar with the deep learning and this kind of stuff is really important. And then the other thing, and please, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting a lot of this wrong because I, I understand technology at a little bit higher than a basic level, but that's about it. So don't, uh, I mean, don't come at me, but if you need, if I need to be corrected, please correct me on this. But the second part is the the computer vision, and that's uh, our, is this a person or is it a sign? Is it a cat or is it you know uh, a, a Coke can? Um, is that a crinkled Coke can or is that a garbage can in the road? So coming up and and sorting through that information and actually determining what it is, that's also very important. So it sounds like they picked the right guy. This is a Fred Lambert story. David Clark, who is a Tesla owner, said that Tesla's autopilot was to blame for a crash that happened in Minnesota. He has now recounted that that statement, and he says that he deactivated it. So here's what happened. This is the first thing he says. Clark stated that when he engaged the autopilot feature, the vehicle suddenly accelerated, causing him to leave the roadway and overturn. Now... After some time to think about what happened, talk to the people in the car, I guess there's five other people in the car, and shake it off, the the shock of the accident. And it's, you know, confusing and scary when you get in a car accident. He he said this, To the best of my recollection, I had engaged the autopilot, but then I had disengaged it by stepping on the accelerator. I then remember looking up and seeing a sharp turn, which I was accelerating into. Now this is very scary, and you can understand why he might be confused on the details because it sounds like he maybe wasn't paying attention that's okay some sometimes that happens and now all of a sudden he's like well i think the car has it but it isn't the car it's him uh i believe we started to make the turn but then felt the car give away losing its footing and we hit loose gravel that was a feeling that was the feeling that i was trying to describe to you when i lost control of the vehicle um the next thing I know, tall grass was whipping past the windshield, and we were all traveling at an odd angle into a ditch and flipped over um, flipped over the right side and ended up on the roof. Uh, so it sounds like Tesla has verified that this was the this is what happened. And Clark said he's thankful for the safety features in the vehicle. So I don't think uh, Mr. Clark was trying to get away with or blaming Tesla for something stupid that he did, I think it was, there was a lot of excitement happening. He looked up, turned, thought that the car was on its uh, autopilot. It wasn't, and it was, you know, his his fault, but 
can understand why um, where the confusion comes from. And this is kind of thing is going to happen a lot as autopilot develops and grows and gets put into more vehicles. This is electric Seth Weintraub. Seth, if I messed up your name, I apologize. Tesla updated its referral program. <laughs> For every referral, you get 10% off the next-gen Roadster. If we refer 50 people, you get a free next-gen Roadster, which is pretty impressive. Um, the more exciting news is the next event that Tesla has is obviously the Model 3. And in September, the model, the, the Tesla Semi. So maybe we will see the um, next-gen Roadster, Roadster at the Semi event. Because here's what. Here's what uh, Tesla's doing. So they have the Model 3 event. That is for the Model 3 owners. They want to hype that, and they don't want to take anything away from that. But the Tesla Semi, that's for a select group of people, and those people are, are typically large companies that have a lot of uh, trucks on the road. Um, so it's not really consumer-facing, whereas doing the Tesla Semi and the Tesla Roadster next to it, so you now you got the the news cycle for the semi, but you also have the news cycle for the new Tesla Roadster. I think it's going to be, I think they're going to show it at the next, uh, at the Tesla semi event, which is another reason I really want to go. I don't know if anybody from Tesla listens to the show, but if you do, please, please email me. I would love to go to the Tesla semi event. The Model 3 I'm not so excited about. I mean, I am excited about it, but I'd rather go to the Tesla semi event. I think that's going to be cooler. Uh, inside EVs, Stephen Loveday, the Model S and the Model X are getting upgraded drive units, quietly getting upgraded drive, drive units, drive, and that could make them last forever, allegedly. Um, the updated or, or upgraded vehicles, depending on how you see it, will see an improvement in range and power, and the drivetrain, like I said, the electric drivetrain should last uh, a really, really long time. So when I buy things, I tend to look at, okay, so recently we bought furniture because our old furniture was 10 years old. So I look at, okay, how much is this going to cost me over time? If I buy a $500 couch and it lasts me f five years, that's $100 for that couch. If I buy a $2,000 couch, but it lasts me 10 years, that's $200 for the couch. But I don't have to go back and buy another couch. So I kind of look at things in in that way. Like my wife looks at things in a very long term. Like if I buy something, it should last until I'm done using it. Me, I'm in the more of the, if I buy something, what's my reasonable expectation to get um, use out of it? Which, you know, is like, let's say the, the couch is 10 years. Um, and then... What am I going to be paying over a year? So I divide the, the cost of the couch over 10 years, and that's kind of how I make my my purchasing decisions. And if it's something that I'm like, yeah, I can spend $100 a year on this couch for the last 10 years, then great, I do it. If I think, hmm, this isn't going to last 10 years, it's probably going to last five. Am I willing to spend $200 a year on this stupid couch that I really don't like that much? Probably not. So anyway, that's kind of how I make my purchasing decisions. Um not sure if that makes sense to anybody else besides me, but I really, uh, that's, that's kind of how I look at it because we're in a, a world that just kind of 
Things aren't meant to last for long periods of time. But, so I took the same um, stance and I looked at uh, the, a Tesla that costs $90,000. It doesn't matter which one it is. It can be a Model X or Model S. Let's just say it costs $90,000. And it lasts for 15 years. Well, that's 16... And the, that brings the cost of ownership down to, to $6,000 a year. Now, that's very basic. That doesn't take into consideration repairing brakes or, or anything else that might happen to the car while you own it. Replacing the battery or anything like that. But that takes it down to $6,000 a year. A $40,000 Model 3 is, if it lasts for 15 years, that's $2,066 a year. So that makes, for instance, the Model 3. If you buy, or even the Model S, if you buy a Model S today, like if I bought a Model S today, um, by the time I'm ready to hand it over to my kids uh, in 11 years, that is going to be $9,000 a year, right? So then my kids drive it all the way through college, and that brings the cost of ownership down significantly for every year that I own that car. Now, of course, I can't give both of them. I have two kids that are the same age. I can't give both of them one car and expect them to go to college. But that's, you know, you understand the example. In comparison, a $90,000 internal combustion engine for seven years, costs twelve thousand eight hundred seventy-five dollars. Um, that's about half the time, a little less than half the time, and twice the money. Uh, even if you did it for ten years, that's still ninety thousand dollars. That's still three thousand dollars more, and five years less. If you did a forty thousand dollar ICE car for seven years, that's five thousand seven hundred fourteen dollars. So, still uh, twice the money, and. Uh, Half the uh, you know a little less than half the time, four thousand dollars for um, ten years. Oh shoot! I just unplugged all my stuff because I'm talking with my hands. Anyway, the whole point is it's more way more expensive to own a nice car overall. That doesn't include any sort of maintenance that you have to do on either car. If you have an internal combustion engine, you know that you're going to be replacing that engine in in. 15 years. I think a friend of mine, he's had his truck since he was out of high school and he's almost, he's probably 38 now. So he's probably had his truck for 20 years and he bought it used and he's put two engines in it and maybe three transmissions. And those things aren't cheap. That's not a cheap thing to do. So, but he loves his truck. It is definitely um, used. Well used. Okay, next one. Matt D'Angelo at Tesserati. Um, this is a tweet that Elon sent out. Just received verbal government approval for the boring company to produce underground New York to Philadelphia to Baltimore to D.C. Hyperloop. New York to D.C. in 29 minutes. Um, now Elon said that these stops from Philadelphia to New York, New York to Philadelphia to Baltimore to D.C., the stops would be city center in each, in each, um, each city. So if you don't know, and I'm sure most of you do, but I'm just going to explain it real quick. The Boring Company is the company that tests, that Elon set up so that he could bore underneath the ground and have build these big, huge tunnels to transport vehicles from one place to another. And the underground, it's very easy to pull a vacuum. So the Hyperloop is a 
um, a way of transporting people and and goods from one place to another um, in a complete vacuum so you can go really fast to give you an idea um, New York to DC in order to make it in 29 minutes you'd have to reach speeds up to 450 miles an hour pretty impressive um, but this is very cool and I'm not poo-pooing this at all but uh, because I work in government and I only see a small small piece of that uh, government sucks there's lots of lots of red tape in government uh, almost to the point of impeding progress. So even though he's received verbal approval, that's not really approval. There still needs to be written per, written approval in the f form of like permits, and there's got to be a bunch of public meetings, and there's all sorts of there's environmental studies and a bunch of other things and and red tape that they have to go through before they can make this happen. But I, I as I said before, when we talked about this. Um, back when they announced the boring company and the tunneling and things, don't bet against Elon, because uh, he'll prove you wrong almost every time. Oh man! Okay, so Lucid Air or Lucid Motors. There's a bunch of articles that I went through for Lucid Motors, but basically here is where it stands. Um, Lucid either, and I put all these links in the show notes. But Lucid either needs to raise money or sell the company. To this point, from from my understanding, I haven't driven out to Casa Grande to see, they haven't broken ground um, on their big, huge um, car plant, uh, manufacturing plant. They needed to raise $250 million to build the first part of the $750 million factory. So um, they're still having trouble breaking that that first uh, little bit of funding. Now, it looks like Ford is is um, interested in funding them. And there are some articles that say that this is going very well. There are some articles that says that Lucid wants Ford to buy, outright buy them. And there's some articles that says that Ford is interested. And there's some articles that said that Ford's not. Um, but in, in the grand, from what it sounds like, based on articles, and I don't have the insider information, but what it sounds like is if Lucid doesn't get somebody to buy them or fund them, um, they're not going to be a company anymore. It sounds like they're on the edge. And we were talking about this um, over the last couple months where you'd get an article like Lucid, they just, they're Lucid Air, they took all the restrictions, software restrictions, restrictions off, and they got the car up to 264 miles an hour. It seems like they come out with something small, just to kind of wave a flag every now and again that says, hey, we're still a company. We're still building a car. Anybody want to fund us? We're still building a car. We're a company. Come see us. Come see Lucider. Um, so I don't know that Ford... Um, I think Ford would be interested in Lucid's tech and their patents, but I don't think that they would uh, find a $160,000 sedan to be appealing. Now, I could be wrong, Um Ford has their supercar, but I don't know that they're going to want to sell a bunch of uh, Lucid Airs uh, at the $160,000 version. I, I just, I don't, this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that fits in Ford's business model. However, after doing some thinking of who would be a better fit, I think that Apple might. The Lucid Air has that kind of lickable Apple-y feel. And it's in like even it's in the price range that 
people would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Apple would sell a $150,000 car. Take a drink. My throat's getting dry. So that kind of seems more believable to me. I don't know if Apple's interested, inter interested. It did say that two other companies were interested. Um, but it, to me, it would kind of make more sense if it, Apple were to buy them than it would be for Ford. You know, they'd come out with the $160,000 64-gigabyte model and then the $200,000 128-gigabyte model. And people would probably buy the 128-gigabyte model. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this next one is from The Verge. I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, basically, Faraday Future is abandoning its plans to build a billion-dollar factory in North Las Vegas, which is really sad. I think Lucid, uh, excuse me, I think uh, Faraday had a terrible outing at CES. Um, I think they're trying to do way too much with a vehicle that's not even, I mean, they have a prototype, but that's it. That's not, it's not really, um, look at all the mistakes that Elon said they made with the Model X. And Faraday is throwing everything into their vehicle. It just doesn't, and same with Lucid. It just doesn't make sense. Like start on a reasonable scale and then build out from there. Don't throw everything out and be like, okay, here's the car. Because, um... I think you're just going to have tons of manufacturing issues and tons of recalls and tons of unhappy customers. So anyway, Faraday needs to be rescued. That's really what's uh, the point of that article. And that was by Andrew Hawkins. Now, let's talk about some Model 3 news. There's a bunch of different stuff. Um, if you want the the attribution, look in the show notes because uh, I just kind of to go through this real quick. First up, um, attribution to me. I saw a Model 3 when I was in Cincinnati. As I mentioned, my friends live in a very upscale neighborhood. I was pulling back in out of a Starbucks, and in out of the corner of my eye, I see this very bubbly-looking Model S at a stoplight, and I was like, it looks odd. Is that a Model X or a Model S? And as I got looking, and I was probably, I don't know, I was still in the parking lot, and they were on the road, and as I looked more of it, more at it, I was like, oh my goodness, that's not a Model S or Model X. That is a stinking Model 3. And I know that they're testing in Ohio. So I pull out. And let's say I'm 90% sure that it's a Model 3. Um, I, and there was plenty of Model Xs and Model Ss for, in that neighborhood for me to um, notice if it looked different. Let's just say there was lots um, in the, in the area that they lived in, in Cincinnati, like you saw them, you can hit or throw a rock and hit a model S or a model X at any given time. Anyway. So, um, I pulled out of the car, I told my wife to grab her cell phone and, or pull out of the, the parking lot. And I'm trying to safely, cause I got my kids and my wife in the car, chase down the, the model three, but sadly it had disappeared before I got to that point. Um, I was really bummed cause I was like, had a brush with with destiny. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on with the stories though. July twenty eighth at seven p.m. Tesla is having their party to give away, not to give away, to hand over the keys to the first Model Three owners. Um, that's exciting. Elon will present at nine p.m. Doors open at seven. It's very exciting. Next week I have some scheduling conflicts, so I'm gonna be recording on Thursday. And if anything really cool happens, I'll put an update out on Sunday. 
which is the next day I can record. I'm so bummed. I wish I could have moved the thing that I have, but I can't. So I can't record right after the the, the event, but maybe it'll be something cool. Maybe they'll reveal something neat about the Model 3. I'm sure they will. Tesla obtains uh, patents on its Model 3 wheels. There are pics and drawings on Electric's website. I put the link in the show notes. I'm not usually the kind of person that cares what uh, wheels look like. Um, most of the wheels I look at are like, eh, that's fine. I'm not one of those guys. But these wheels look super cool. And the ones under figure three, I think, look the best. And if I get to the point of buying a Tesla, then that'll be something that I look at. Uh, you can go on to Electric's website um, or Tesla's and see how to decode the VIN information on a number three. If that's something you're into, it's not really something I'm into. But I put a link in the show notes. And then now I have found the future color of, or the color of my next vehicle, which is going to be a Tesla. And it is midnight silver. This is not a color that I would typically, I like a silver car or a gray car, even though I kind of have a gray blue car. It's not something I'd be really that like excited to, to buy. I'm like, eh, gray is gray. Um, I'm much more of like a red or a black. Um, I really like Tesla white. I don't like white cars in general, but the Tesla white looks really good. But when I saw the pictures, which um, I put the link in the show notes, somebody put on their Twitter, um, it looks really, really nice. It just flows. It looks like it's liquid. The paint is liquid. It is so stinking beautiful. Now, because we don't have access to the Model 3 configurator, we don't know if this is something that Tesla is testing or if it's something they actually have as an option for your new Model 3. But it is really, really pretty. And I don't know what Tesla does with their paint, but even a car that is a couple of years old, even a Tesla that was in 2013, like the one that I rented that's white, it still looks fantastic. It looks liquid. It looks bright it looks even in the Arizona sun it's just a gorgeous paint job so hats off to Tesla all right that's 41 minutes of me yammering on do you would you believe that it takes me for this show um for every 10 minutes it took me about an hour and a half maybe an hour and 15 minutes to prep it's ridiculous um, you would think in that much time that I could put together a better show, but this is the dribble that I give you. So there we are. But I do have a pick, and this isn't something that I found on my own. I actually, this group followed me on Twitter, and they have 64,000 followers, and they're following 587,000. So I'm not like feeling like lucky, but they sent me a DM because I followed them back, and they said, Hey, check out this is our new song, their band. This is our new song. Um, the single drops on August 25th. Check it out and see if you like it. And I am I am all about supporting creators. So I checked it out. They're called Calling All Astronauts. And from best as I can tell, they're, they're a London band. And they are really, really good. They have some uh, strong political opinions that you may or may not agree with. But the music, I thought, was pretty solid. I didn't like every one of the songs that I listened to on YouTube, but I liked a lot of them. And here's the best way, because I was like, man, how do I describe this? But this here's the best way that I can describe it. And hopefully um, 
they agree or at least aren't offended by this because I'm not, I don't think this is bad, but it, it's kind of like if Johnny Cash, David Bowie, Bowie, and The Cure had an awesome baby, that would be Calling All Astronauts. It's really, really good. And uh, I'm going to put their info in the show notes. If you like them, go and support them. They are very weird and very awesome. And I've already recommended them uh, to my daughter, not the four-year-old, but the 21-year-old. And uh, hopefully she'll pass that along to her friends. Really good stuff. I, I, I've, I don't know. It was just really good music, I thought. All right. If you want to contact me, it's Bodie at 918digital.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at 918digital where I interact with a lot of people. You can call and leave a message at 918-401-0071 and I'll put your message on the show. Just put that you're talking your message for kilowatt because that number serves two podcasts. Um, on that, I have a podcast called Snap, where I talk about video games and mostly Nintendo stuff. Although this week I'm talking about a game that's on Steam. Um, Leave a review wherever you get your podcast because that really helps. I have iOS stickers and I have ideas for new stickers that hopefully, if everything goes right, once my kids are in school, I can start working on. Um, so yeah, that is it. I hope everybody has a fantastic day. And again, I'm going to be recording on Thursday of next week. So if I miss anything, expect something on Sunday. If I didn't think that what was announced or what was shown was worth doing an extra podcast, then I will talk to you on Thursday. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Be safe. And wish I knew how to. I really hate. I think this is the way that I ended. Is I, I feel like I ended on a poor note. Oh, you know what? Let's end it this way. I got an idea. Everybody's being really patient. Super patient. Almost there. Let's listen to a little calling all astronauts, shall we? softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.